the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. You know, one of the things I found uh, kind of amusing, although it's not funny at all, is that San Francisco recently hired a tourism boss to battle what they call the ongoing narrative about surging crime and rampant drug use. And instead of solving the problem, instead of changing the philosophy that they are using that has encouraged the drug use and the rampant homelessness and from people moving all over the country to stay there, paying people to get two drugs, all the companies are leaving town, the police are leaving town. It's a mess in San Francisco, literally and spiritually, figuratively, however you want to put it. Rather than really say, hey, we need to change direction in how we're governing this town, we're going to instead hire a consultant. And they grabbed a guy who's a consultant for Toronto, which I'm sure is number one on your list of cities to visit. And uh, that guy is going to try to change the narrative about surging crime and rampant drug use. They had a tourism guy before that, and they fired him because his idea for a tour was called the Doom Tour. And he was going to actually let you tour all the drug use and all the stuff that San Francisco is now known for, which you can understand that's probably not really going to draw tourists. It would draw me because... You know, I'm like, oh, I get to see this. But most people, you don't want to do that. I know some people who went there as a vacation. They said it's not that bad. And they left. They they just had to eat their vacation costs, their hotel and everything. They said if it were just us as adults, we would have stayed. But because we had our kids with us, we didn't feel safe anywhere we went. That's a reality for a lot of people. Have, let me ask you this question. Have you thought about this and what it means? In a culture of lawlessness, where not only are we seeing these smash and grab robberies and teams of people coming together to rob people and people, not just parents versus schools, but parents versus schools, the state, and then other political organizations that come to these meetings and get themselves involved when really they don't have a dog in the fight. Why is this happening? We call it lawlessness, but what I want you to know is this is something much deeper. This is something more uh, important. With me to talk about this is Kinthea Fergus. Kinthea is the book of uh, a book called In Injustice Foretold, and there's a workbook that goes along with it called Decoding Lawlessness. And Kinthea is here to talk to us about what lawlessness is from a biblical perspective. Kinthea, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. You know, we, we use the word lawlessness. We hear the word lawlessness out there. We you know, we have, you know, I think an understanding that the Bible uses this word, and certainly Jesus uses this word, but what is lawlessness from a spiritual, biblical perspective? Well, I think San Francisco is a perfect example. There is just so much lawlessness going on there. The smash and grabs, there's child trafficking, there are gangs, there's a lot of drug use and a lot of homelessness. And... um it may sound alarming initially, yeah. but the book and the messages are about the good news of what happens when God's people come together, and it will be a formidable force. 
and it will be much greater than the evil forces of the powers, the principalities, and the rulers. And instead of putting a spin on what San Francisco is and giving it a a PR narrative, I think we need to change it back to God's kingdom. We need to win that territory for God's kingdom. And there's something about doing that that would be truth. And I, and I think it's it's right to remember as we talk about this that the Bible gives us solutions that this is something we should not be afraid. We're not called by the Bible to fear about this. But instead, Jesus told us something specifically. He said in Matthew 24, and because lawlessness will be increased, this is at the end times, right? And most people would agree we're close to the end times, however close, whatever close means. We're certainly closer right. now than we were when we started the interview. And we're closer than we were yesterday, right? It's coming. Um, But one of the signs of this time, of the end times, is going to be that lawlessness will be increased, and also that the love of many will grow cold. Is that something that we're seeing today, the love of people growing cold? Yes, that's how Jesus described it in the Olivet Discourse, Mm. as a cause and effect. The cause is lawlessness, the effect is love, and it will shatter love. And this is also in the other Gospels where Jesus is giving the Olivet District Discourse. And it says more specifically, a brother will betray his brother, a father will betray his son, a child will betray his father even unto death. So Mm. we know that love is really going to be impacted. But then we see solutions in the Bible. And in 1 Thessalonians 3.19, it says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So the Bible talks about, here's the problem, love. But we can cultivate it now. Hmm. And what, what, you know, I think as you're saying that, I'm thinking... You know, in the Mark passage here, it says that brother will betray brother to death and father to son and son to father. You know, the there's a, another Old Testament passage, uh, I think it's in Malachi, that talks about at the end also God will restore fathers to their sons, right? There is this restoration that ultimately the Lord's going to do, and that's why we should have hope and not fear. That's right. Uh, but looking at this from the lawlessness standpoint, to recognize that this era that we're living in is is a time that was predicted by Christ— so that's why we shouldn't fear. We should be able to take a look at what it is. And when I think of the the battles that are happening in school, part of that is parents being separated from their kids, mm-hmm. right? And on part of this battle that's happening here, even in Sacramento, where they are trying to give kids more rights to go against their parents for medical procedures, for other stuff. This is the separation of relationships that are meant to be rooted in love, and that love is growing cold. That's the time we live in. Yes, and and that is another great example of lawlessness because it doesn't occur without changing the laws. And one mm. of the things that the Bible talks about is Satan will change the laws and the times. He'll try, it says. Yeah. And what does that mean? What would he do? Well, the laws have been changed so that parents don't have to be notified if mm. their children are, go- are going through gender changes or have changed their name from he to she or vice yeah. versa. So, and laws are also being changed in the area of... of punishment for crime, where certain things that used to be serious crimes are no longer serious crimes, or even not crime at all, or it's crime, but we don't punish it. That's right. We don't acknowledge it anymore. Felonies have been turned into misdemeanors, and 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 that's another form of lawlessness. So it's violating laws, it's changing laws, it's manipulating them, and it's also bureaucracies. There's a really mm. interesting Bible verse that talks about how... Um, Things, justice is ruined when 
uh, it's Ecclesiastes 5, 8. Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land. For every official is under orders from higher up and matters of justice get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Hmm. So it's every branch of government, the legislative branch, the judicial branch. There's an example of the unjust judge. And now we see the administrative and executive branch. There's also types of lawlessness. I think that is something that you know, people often today say that our, our government has gone to a place where we now have four branches, right? So rather than you know executive, legislative, and judicial branch, we have a fourth branch. It's the bureaucracy. Yes. And it's the bureaucracy that is controlling things, right? I mean, right. That was, that's the COVID, all the COVID lockdowns, whatever you think about that, those decisions didn't come from law. They came from bureaucracy. Yes. And also, you know, when you see what's happening at, you know, with the immigration laws, a lot mm-hmm. of that is policies that are coming from a bureaucratic level. Some of it's laws, but a lot of it is how are they uh, acting out the laws? And most, how are they carrying them out? That's right. Because the laws, if you just enforce the laws, you would you would resolve the problem. We'd be fine. You don't really need new laws. You need new policies. You know, what does this happen? So on the, you know, on the one side on, on immigration, people want to be compassionate. But when we're taking a look at Thousands of people coming in, families coming in, children being trafficked, drugs coming into the country, the cartels that uh, are are giving out the fentanyl and bringing it in. There's a side to this that is so dark. And what I guess I want people really to hear and understand is that we know this. This is not controversial to say, oh, there's trafficking and there's drugs. And we know that this is happening. We know who's doing it, and yet we're not doing anything about it. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Is that part of the lawlessness culture that we shouldn't be surprised to see? Definitely. I mean, what's happening with trafficking, the Bible talks about it. What's happening with drugs, the word pharmakia comes up all over Revelations, in Ezekiel, and Malachi. It causes the downfall of civilizations. And so drugs and fentanyl are a major problem. Trafficking, yeah. that word comes up a lot. It's pornea. Yeah. And, and, and that comes up repeatedly in the Bible, again, in the Old Testament and the New and Revelations. So it's a problem that we need to fight as yeah. people. So. So that we understand the the lawlessness idea, the idea that groups of people are doing this, this is how the evil one does things. And I, and I think something that we need to really make clear, right, is that our our enemy is not flesh and blood, right? right? And that's the spiritual part of lawlessness that we need to understand if we want to do something about it. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Uh, am I right to say that, that Cartels, different, uh, you know, the bureaucracy, which is lots of groups working together, lots of different people working together. This is how lawlessness works from the uh, devil's standpoint. Yes. Well, cartels and syndicates also fund illegitimate lobbies, and they also traffic drugs, and they traffic people. And when we look at what's going on in the world, all of it has an element of organized crime. Mm. So that's kind of a central theme. And it comes up in the Bible, too. When we read about the story of Job, Satan did it. Satan is the lawless one. This is his lawless kingdom on earth. Satan did it, but he used people. And he used people in groups. So first it was one group of Sabians and then three groups of Chaldeans. And with these masterminding 
groups, organized crime. He dropped trouble on Job that was financial, his children, grief, uh, his servants, all of his animals. And then he gave him sores all over his body. So Satan likes to plan a total onslaught and target people. And um, you can only do that with a group. That's right. I think that's what we have to see. When we're talking about the school board stuff, it's not just parents against schools. It's parents against the schools, but also the state, against the groups who show up that have nothing to do with it. Antifa. Why are they there? Why is another group the revolutionary communists? That's what they call themselves. I'm not calling them communists. They call themselves that. They show up. You have LGBT on both sides of the issue because many of those people say, hey, no, we don't think we think this is terrible for kids. But then you have a certain lobby that thinks this is great. So that's kind of what you're talking about, right? In a similar way, different groups of people in a lawless society will come together to fight against what is good. And it's orchestrated. It's timed so that people are sent there like Antifa or other groups to fight each other. Yeah, And I think that came up, you had a show about the Armenian parents in Glendale and mm-hmm. how people showed up to fight it. And then they found out, oh, we don't have anything against LGBTQ uh, people. We, we're we just here to talk about what's being taught in the schools. And then you have gays against groomers who are also saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. But people are being pitted against yeah. each other. So. What's the solution? In the Bible, and um, my guest is Kinthea Fergus, and she has written a book called Injustice Foretold. You can find more out about it at injusticeforetold.com. And uh, by the way, Cynthia, uh, Kinthea, I always want to say Cynthia. You probably get that all the time. All the time. Yeah. Kinthea is uh, going to be at our pastor's conference, the Impact Pastor's Conference, on Thursday, September 21st. She'll be uh, one of the, our guests there, and uh, you'll have a chance to get her book and meet her there, and I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Kinthea... There's a solution to this, right? It isn't Jesus saying or the Scripture saying we just have to take it. I mean, there's a time, right, where the world's going to be plunged into lawlessness. That's the plan of God. But in the meantime, the Bible always gives us a response to these things. Give us an example of that. Well, I think that God wants us to win. We have his favor. He wants us to change things back for his kingdom. And he gives us lots of Bible verses that talk about him, talk about that. One of them is the parable of the unjust judge. And he says there, I'm telling you this parable, Jesus says, so that you will pray and not give up. Hmm. And then he says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And the unjust judge said, though I don't care about God and I don't care about the people, I'm going to give this widow what she's asking for. Right. So that she won't bother me. Because she keeps pestering him. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's hanging in there. That's right. And she's not giving up. And she's listening to what the unjust judge said. And we're going to be in a lot of unjust environments. And we have to listen to the person who's in charge. What are they saying? And our strategy yeah. has to be based on that. So and then she how didn't. We... Go ahead. She didn't give up. Yeah. She kept going back to him and asking for justice. Yeah. How do we do this with wisdom? Because I think that you'll also find that throughout the scriptures when we're talking about injustice and how to deal with it. You've got to have wisdom you, you, and lawlessness. You have to have true wisdom that comes from God. How do we do that? Well, in Luke twenty-one fifteen, beautiful verse, it says, For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Hmm. So 
we can fight against evil and we shouldn't be afraid of fighting it. Yeah. Because we're going to outwit the enemy with God's wisdom. With God's wisdom. And I think that's important with our own and important. And just to put it all together, if our enemy is not flesh and blood, right. then we can look at our, our human opponent who's standing on the other side for whatever reason as someone who needs to be saved, right? As somebody who can be won over, right? As somebody who's being influenced by the evil one. Now, they might never come across. But I think that's part of wisdom is that we can be persuasive with the help of the Lord with all of these issues uh, in uh, a lawless world. Something that the Bible also talks about quite a bit is how there will be lawless people in the church. Mm. And he calls them the apostate. He says they will fall away. They will take the mark of the beast. And so we have a captive audience in our churches right now. They're there and they're going to fall away. And we have an opportunity to win them over for yeah. Christ and and to change them back. And that's part of how we can win more territory for God's kingdom it's how we and can... diminish Satan's kingdom. Yeah. And it's really exciting to th- exciting to think that we've already won this battle. That's right. We have already won. And I think that gives us some hope. Before we go, uh, tell us about your, your book, uh, Injustice Foretold, and you've got a uh, workbook that goes with it, Decoding Lawlessness. This is not the type of book that you go and you just sit, you know, 10 o'clock at night before you go to bed and read a story, <laughs> right. right? It's more like a textbook, yeah. but it will really help you understand the scriptures behind uh, lawlessness. Yes. It can be quite easy if you just open up a chapter and start with a chapter. There's a chapter that talks about how love and justice go hand in hand, yeah. hand and it gives all the Bible verses, and it's really easy to just read the verse. It's paraphrased, very short. Um, But if you try to, you know, take the whole book and understand all of it, there's a lot. It's a lot. It's a, and this obviously is a, a labor of love that you've put into it. And I think for someone to study, it's a, it's a book to study, but it's a book that will help you in many ways in your faith. You can get it at injusticefortold.com. And uh, I want to remind people that uh, Kinthia will be at the uh, Impact 23 Pastors Conference, which is Thursday the 21st at 8 o'clock in the morning at Azusa Pacific University. You can see her there. She'll have a table there. She'll be able to talk in detail about her book and other stuff. And you're also going to be at uh, an Eric Metaxas uh, event on the 28th of September called Dine and Align. And everybody can find out the information they need where again? That's at injusticefortold.com. Yeah. And Eric is going to talk about his new book, Letter to the American Church. Yeah. And so he's also advocating the church coming together in strength and power as opposed to just just watching the lawlessness take over. Yeah. Right. And I think putting it in the right perspective spiritually matters a lot. Kinthia, thanks for joining us on the Pastor Scott Show. Really appreciate uh, your work and how you've uh, put this together for us. Once again, the website is injusticefortold.com, injusticefortold.com. Kinthia Fergus, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carrying license? With one exception, and that is if there's an emergency and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. 
There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. That was uh, New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham, who has gotten a lot of flack for that comment, both from Republicans and Democrats. There's an argument about the guns. Basically, she is banning all concealed weapon permits and the ability, the, the legality of carrying a gun in New Mexico is different than other places. She's saying you can't do it and that because she's declared an emergency, she can just do that. So people got into the Tech, you know, the technical issues of that particular law and the issue of guns. But the greater statement that she makes is the notion that she can declare an emergency and the Constitution doesn't matter anymore, that no constitutional rights are, you know, uh, that, you know, are without a uh, limit. You know, there's there's some truth to that in the sense that there, you know, if there's you know, natural disaster or war or other things. There have been times when things have been, you know, you've got to obey the authorities and you've got to do things in those kinds of emergencies. But the scary notion is that a governor could just decide on her own or his own that it's a emergency and take away the law. We've been talking about lawlessness here on the Pastor Scott Show today. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And uh, I want to give you something to think about that if it bothers you, and it should bother you, the, the lawlessness that's going on and the the flimsy attitude we have about rights and other stuff, I think, that we have seen in the last few years. You know, the Bible is really clear that this is something that's going to happen in time. And so I think, therefore, I mean, we shouldn't be fearful of anything anyway, right? If you're going to fear anything, fear God. We we know how the story ends. But we also are given information in advance about how the world is going to go, including our own country, right? Including every culture on earth eventually will come under lawlessness. And I'll explain that here in, in a little bit. Um, but I want you to not be afraid. I just want you to know this is happening. And in the meantime, until the man of lawlessness comes, that's why the Antichrist in the book of Second Thessalonians, okay, the man of lawlessness. It's interesting because this word lawlessness in the Bible here in this context, uh, it doesn't mean lack of law. It's not uh, anarchy. It's not that everybody just does what they want. It's not what it is at all. It's an active violation of moral principles. That's lawlessness. It's the idea that you would have leaders or a society that goes actively against moral principles. That's what we've been seeing. The breakdown of family, the breakdown of uh, relationships, the the not just that happening because of sin or because of decay, societal decay, but when you have leaders or a system that actively says, you know what, we're going to turn this upside down. That's what I think a lot of the problems are that we see in our schools and with homelessness and with uh, some issues that seem to be worse and worse and worse. We are saying that you know, felonies are misdemeanors, or we're saying that misdemeanors aren't even crimes, or we're not going to hold anybody accountable for certain crimes uh, based on whatever reason seems politically expedient. And that is going to cause chaos. That's the kind of lawlessness that happens scripturally, right? That's what it means, is that you are rejecting moral principles. You are rejecting the idea of justice itself, because it's not justice to not have recompense for a victim of crime. It can be injustice to cause someone who committed a crime to spend too much time in prison or have to pay back too much money. There's there's an injustice for sure that can be in the system where too many people are going to prison for long terms when it should be short or other punishments. You can decide, you can argue about all of that. But the idea that what we're seeing so often, and we're seeing this with the shoplifting and we're seeing this with some violent crimes and other stuff, is that the victims of these crimes no longer get justice. 
that instead often the victims even become the ones who are the criminals in the sense that, uh, well, you know, you shouldn't have done that. It goes back to the idea of victim blaming or victim shaming. The, The most common example is in the case of rape where you might blame the woman. Well, you shouldn't have dressed like that. Well, you shouldn't have been to that bar. You shouldn't have been, you know, there's there's wisdom that's involved for her and how she dresses and, and where she goes and whether or not she drinks too much or those kinds. Of, you can argue about, you can talk about wisdom. We all should have wisdom. But whatever it is she did, she did not deserve to be raped. And the rapist is the criminal. And she should not be bearing the responsibility for that, even if she was unwise. And when you carry that out into some other areas of society, whether it's shoplifting or other violent crimes or corporate crimes or different things, you know, somewhere there's a victim. And if the victims are being treated as the ones who caused it, uh, it's upside down. It's lawless, uh, lawlessness in a biblical sense. The New Mexico case, you know what she said, one of the sheriffs, his name is uh, John Allen. He responded this way. Let me be clear. I hold my standards high and I do not or never will hedge on what is right. And I take my oath seriously. In reference to concealed carry and open carry, the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office will not enforce this segment of the order. While I understand the urgency, the temporary ban challenges the foundations of our Constitution, but most importantly, it is unconstitutional. My oath was to protect the Constitution, and that is what I will do. The governor made it clear in her press conference. She knew we as law enforcement did not agree with the order. And as a result, this was solely her decision. That's what it gets at is it's an interesting thing. We saw this uh, during the COVID, if you remember, when there were certain orders given about masks or vaccines or other things. Some sheriffs even here in California said we're not going to we're not going to pursue that. Uh, they especially said, we are not going to start arresting people if they're not wearing masks. We don't have time for that. We don't have the personnel for that. We don't even think you have that authority. And and something I want you to hear, though, through all this is that there's a breakdown in the system when you have a governor or a, a person in authority give an order, and then those who are supposed to enforce that order, decide not to, and then they make themselves the authority. And I don't blame these guys for for this at all, but this is what you're seeing here is where this isn't working in the sense that um, the order that comes down should be constitutional and the oath to the Constitution is what matters, and that should flow through the system if it's working right. If somebody says, I'm I'm going to disobey that because it's not constitutional, that might be the right call, but it also indicates that there's a problem, right? There is a lawlessness problem in the system. And in this case, as uh, this police officer mentions, he says it here, this is this is something that punishes the law-abiding citizens, not the criminals. Other than this ban being unconstitutional, here are other reasons why I will not enforce the order. One, what many forget, is I have enough violence here in Bernalillo County. I do not want to have political violence towards my deputies or here in Bernalillo County. My job is to keep the peace and to make sure that the citizens of Bernalillo County are safe, and I do not believe that this order will help me do so. I'm a law enforcement professional. This order will not do anything to curb gun violence other than punish law-abiding citizens from their constitutional right to self-defense. Yeah, I think it's relevant that that comes from a police officer 
Uh, and I'll tell you this, and maybe if you're a uh, police officer or you've worked in law enforcement, you can respond to this. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I, years ago, I went to a Bible study with a bunch of cops, and they were, uh, one of my good friends is a police chaplain, and uh, I got to go to his Bible study once in a while because it met next to my house at a uh, at a Starbucks. And sometimes you walk over there, and there's a bunch of police officers there, and they're having a, a you know a small group basically. Now at the time, this was during the 2008 presidential election. Something that that uh, candidate Obama floated, but then he pulled back right away was the idea of federal police, the idea that you know not the FBI and not the state police and not your local police force, but there needs to be another national police force. And that caused a lot of controversy on its own. People said, well, why do you need that? And he backed off of that, and he didn't pursue it once he was the president. Well, that was in the news, and I sat down with these police officers who came from every background. They were of every race, and uh, they were men and women, different ages. And I don't know, there was 12, 15 of them. It was a lot of cops. And I asked him, I said, what do you think about this? As police officers, what do you think about President, or he was candidate Obama at the time, you know, saying we need another federal police force? And they were silent. They didn't say anything except one guy. He finally says, you know what? I'll answer that. And they were all like looking at each other. You know, and he says this. He said, you know, we know where a lot of the guns are that are on the street. He said, we know where, we know who has the guns. We know what they will likely do with them, what kind of violence they will ultimately do with those guns. And he said, we would love it. If we could go take those guns, we would love it. I was kind of surprised at first he was saying this. He says, I would, we all would love it if we could go confiscate those guns, if we had the legal authority to just go take their guns. He said, that would be great. He said, our city will be safer. Our families would be safer. He started to talk about the threats that some people give to his families. He goes, we know where the guns are with the people who are the criminals who intend to use it. He goes, a lot of the time. He says, I'd love to go take those guns. We all would. He said, the reason, this was his opinion now, he said, the reason that you need a federal police force, he said, is this. He said, when the day comes where they decide to ban all guns and confiscate all guns, he said, we will go take those guns from those criminals and we will enjoy doing it. It will be good. He said, the problem is for the feds, he says, is when we come to your house to take your gun, he said, you can put a big pink bow on it and leave it on the porch and we're not going to find it. And that's all he said. He left it there. And the, his notion was, well, there, this is about taking, you know, confiscating guns and he, that regular rank and file police, just like this sheriff in New Mexico says, we're not going to do that to law abiding citizens. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting perspective. I've never forgotten that, that to take the guns away from the criminals would make them feel safer. But they didn't feel that at all towards people who are law-abiding citizens. Certainly, law-abiding citizens sometimes become criminals with the weapon that they have. That's obviously a thing. But the the issue here that we're seeing, I think, in our country so much is the breakdown of not just law, but of the system of keeping laws and keeping moral principles. An interesting passage in Second Thessalonians, it talks about this man of lawless, lawlessness, who is the, the Antichrist. Some translations actually put that word in. Many of them will just really call him a man of lawlessness. But something I want you to hear about this. It says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. And notice, by the way, whenever the Bible is talking about the end times and Antichrist and the last days, there's a warning about don't be deceived. That's because there's going to be so many 
false teachers out there and so many people saying things that are false. Don't be deceived. And that's the ultimate warning about lawlessness, that it isn't chaos. It's not anarchy. It is a deliberate attempt to stop having any moral principles that are actually true or that work. And that's the deception. And the, so he said, don't let anybody deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. Now, some translations will say um, apostasy. It's an interesting word there, because some people think the rebellion is when the culture finally decides enough of God and we ban church and we ban religiousness and whatever. Other people think that word right there is actually the apostasy within the church, that there will be, we know that uh, Jesus tells us there will be a great falling away, right? That, that there will be a time when many of the churchgoers will turn away from what is right and moral and go with the lawless one. All right, so whatever it is, that day will not come until the rebellion, until this occurs, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction, which, by the way, when you, whenever that day happens, if you're still around, that person is doomed to destruction. They are not going to win. That is also something that's very clear throughout the Scripture. It says, He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And uh, Paul continues to write, Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back? so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. And see, and I want you to hear that too. The power of this lawlessness, the idea of the violation of moral principles and things falling apart is already at work. And that's what we've noticed. We see this breakdown in our society. We see it in the, uh, the thefts that are going on, the increase in crime. And we've seen increases in crime before and other societies have. We don't know that this is the end. We don't know that we can't turn it around. But I want you to hear this. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. What I want you to hear here is that that lawless one is being held back, that even though the power of lawlessness is still going on, the Lord, however he's doing it, is holding that back. And in the meantime, even as we see our society begin to crumble, even as we see our society uh, struggle with lawlessness, we don't know that this is the end. We don't know that there's not an opportunity for us to turn it around through, as we talked about before, through prayer, through the church getting on the ball with discipleship and caring about our community and loving each other and doing that. We might be on the precipice of a great revival and a great, you know, period of of law-abiding citizens and people regaining their moral, morals. Who knows? Um, and if we're not, if, if this truly is the end, then we still need to love people as much as we can in the name of Christ, even as everything unravels around us. Either way, there's no reason for us to be afraid. We have been told what's coming. We see it happening. We realize that in that if this is the time, if this is the end times, then Jesus will let it go, and that's the direction, and hooray, we're almost to the end and salvation. But if it's not the time, then we also have hope that we can turn it around. Either way, we still love each other. i got to take a break. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can watch us right now at kkla.com. Just click on the uh, Pastor Scott Show link, and you can find us anywhere on social media. We are at Pastor Scott Show, at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, that's where you can find us. You can follow us now. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Because critics on the right have noted that New York City is a sanctuary city and this migrant crisis comes with that territory. What do you say to those who think uh, you relinquish your right to complain about the stresses it places on your city because of that? Well, I, I think that those comments coming from those far-right Trump-like Republicans who are continue to try to distort the reality that we do not have real immigration reform, that we should allow a true decompression strategy, protect our borders in the right way, and make sure that when you look at this city, the status of right to shelter of no one who created this decades ago took into account that we were talking about hundreds of thousands of people potentially coming to coming to the city. That is New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who has been getting criticism because he has been saying that we need to do something different about immigration. And it goes against some narrative. And some people, particularly people on the right, are saying, you know, hooray for you. And then other people are saying uh, these people on the right are 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 uh, congratulating you. You should push them back. It's a terrible position that he is in. And one of the things I think that he's trying to point out is that there were decisions made a long time ago uh, about New York becoming a sanctuary city, uh, but it was at a time where nobody believed it would actually need to become a sanctuary city. And that's part of the problem. We're talking about lawlessness here on the Pastor Scott Show. And part of the problem is, is that when you make statements or pass laws that are, are more about the statement and not actually doing something eventually that catches up with you. And uh, that's a struggle that he's got, and uh, we have it in L.A. and other cities. Uh, you know, eventually you're going to have to redefine or reject, you know, what you said and instead find ways to be genuinely compassionate and genuinely do something to uh, resolve the problems. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And, but if we are in an era of lawlessness, meaning that we are rejecting moral principles as they are, meaning we're rejecting what is true, we're rejecting what actually works, and that we're going to create laws that that actually encourage uh, law, you know, lawless behavior, that's lawlessness that's predicted in the Scripture. 888-528-2557. Let me get some calls that we got here. Donna and Covina, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Hope you're having a great day. I am, Donna. Um, I just good. I, I just wanted to comment on the governor of New Mexico. And I think this is, I'm sure that she's getting phone calls from all the Democrats, uh, or all the progressive Democrats, um, for doing this. Because I think what they want to do is just push the boundaries you know, of the Constitution. They just want to push it so that they can, uh, you know, uh, make their, they can see their own agenda occurring. Um, And, you know, I once, I was having a, uh, I don't know, a couple years back, there was a shooting, and I was having a conversation with someone on Twitter about, you know, banned guns, and we were going back and forth, and he finally said, and I don't think he was kidding, he said, if another massacre is what it would take to ban guns, he's like, I hope it would happen tomorrow. Mm. And I just think sometimes it's just rabid with them. Some of these people are so progressive, they're so far out 
um, and their ideology. Well, I, I, that, I think some people really believe that it's the gun's problem. There might be some really good gun legislation. In fact, I think that 80 or 90 percent of people would come up with some things that everybody agrees with, with how to deal with uh, guns better. But, you know, one of her one of her problems of what she said that's gotten people uh, really on both sides is the idea that she can, as a governor, declare an emergency and then by fiat erase laws. And that is terrifying. It should be terrifying to everybody. No, nobody should be able to do that, to just say, you know what, What? it's an emergency because I say so. And now we're ending the laws. And for sure, there are people who would like to see some leaders have that power. I just always think, well, you wouldn't want the other side to have that power. Right. I would, I would say to somebody, you know, on the right or on the left, if you are excited about what she said, if you like what she said, I think you'd need to say, well, do you want Donald Trump to have that same power? Do you want Ron DeSantis to have that power? Because you don't, you know, or vice versa, right? Is you And if you are on the right, don't celebrate it if uh, a right person, uh, you know, a Republican does that because it's the same problem uh, of Right, maybe we need to limit the powers of the governor when it comes to the Constitution. Yeah, the Constitution does a pretty good job, I think, of a lot of that. We need to hold to it. Thanks for your call, Donna. 888-528-2557. That's happening with the president, by the way. Uh, Last several presidents, both parties, who are ruling often by executive order and through uh, executive branch departments, Department of Education or Energy or whoever. And that's probably not what the founders had in mind, that you should run things through the Congress. The Congress can reject, you know, what you're doing or you can veto them if you don't like. There's there's a system of checks and balances. But when we're when we are so dependent on one person, a president or governor or mayor, depending on the situation, to run everything, to always be there, to, you know, it's a scary thing because in a way we're giving them power. Uh, We're giving it to them figuratively, I think, because we're just expecting so much of them. And then what comes behind that is we actually give them power, uh, either because they take it or because the other people who have the Congress or the state house who has the right to reject them refuses to. Uh, Ted in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Ted, City of the Angels, how are you, Pastor Scott? I'm doing fine, Ted. Well, I just wanted to share that uh, it's been going on forever, even pre-9-11, in my parents' neighborhood off Jefferson and Inglewood in Culver City, they had two crack houses. Everybody was scared. They threatened everybody's lives, all of the homeowners, including my father. And I was playing semi-pro football at the time. I came out of retirement, and I rounded up a bunch of people from the projects and that I had played football with to try to do something and change the tide of all this crack that was going on. Yeah. And so... Let me ask you this. It has it has changed. I mean, it might be getting worse now, but it was real bad in the 90s. So what happened to make that a little better and now it's a little worse? Well, I mean, I just uh, made it very uncomfortable for them. I took it at a street level. And I <laughs> are you the reason that we have uh, less of that going on in L.A.? Well, I did a real life Grand Torino that Clint Eastwood made oh, a movie of. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did because they threatened my father's life, and and uh, they moved out of the neighborhood. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right, so, Ted. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks okay. for your call on that. I think you're right that you know this has been going on a while. And in another way, I just want to say, you know, as as discouraging as it might be on the news, number one, we see on 
from the scriptures that there's going to be a time of lawlessness, as we've been talking about. But we've also seen ebbs and flows in it. You know, uh, we have seen times where the crime has been as bad or worse. What I would say is that maybe our approach now, particularly from uh, law, you know, the legal system, is in the era of lawlessness. Once again, the the issue biblically of lawlessness is not lack of law or the lack of enforcing the law or incompetent leaders, you know, or whatever you want to say. Biblically, it's a it's when the people who are leaders, the people who are in charge, decide that they are going to violate moral principles. And that's something I think that's different now than even in the 90s. I think the reason that uh, things got better with respect to crime and some other things, there's always been crime, there's always been difficulty, but there have been worse times and better times. I think it got better because there were still leaders who ultimately would act on moral principles. That's what we need again. But a sign of the end times is when leaders violate moral principles and that moral principles don't matter. I think that's a big thing that's going on with the schools and the school systems, right, and why we have this going on. It's a it's a shocking thing when you really read those books that were given to kids. Somebody said at one of these school board meetings in another state yesterday, you know, why are we giving – we wouldn't give kindergartners Playboy magazine, but uh, we give them this. And, uh, you know, she gets scoffed at for that. You know, 20 years ago, everybody would have agreed with that. We have changed, and that's something to – to notice because the scriptures tell us that. It should give you some confidence in your faith because Jesus was right. A good pastor friend of mine, uh, his name is Glenn. He likes to say Jesus was right about everything. And uh, you know he'll say that even when he has to sort of uh, repent himself or just sort of give in to something. He reads in the word, you know, Jesus was right about everything, he'll say. And, you know, but that's such a great thing to know because it gives us hope. And when we realize that Jesus was right about everything, we are also told that when the lawlessness comes, when the man of lawlessness happens, eventually he's destroyed by Christ. And we always have hope in that. And in the meantime, we take a look at the people God has placed in our life, and we respond to lawlessness by loving people, by speaking the truth, by caring for the people where we can. And uh, maybe Ted's right. Maybe Ted was a catalyst to uh, changing some of the things, at least in his own community. You know, maybe that happened. Uh, it's because sometimes we have to just step out and speak for what is right, speak against what is evil, but care for people. Even those people who are doing evil things, they need to be turned around. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us anywhere on social media, Facebook, Twitter, X, or Instagram at Pastor Scott Show. Follow us now. You can watch us right now at kkla.com. When we come back, we will have Steve Arterburn from New Life Live. He'll be joining us here. He's one of our keynote speakers at the Impact 23 Pastors Conference coming up uh, next week. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.